Welcome to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. This week, Pastor Ben Pitney continues out of the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 25 through 36, with a message titled, Radical Freedom from Insecurity. At Vail Christian Church, we believe in training followers of Christ to worship, gather, give, and serve. got a chance to bid on my Foreigner album. Yeah. Jukebox Hero. You know, I blew, uh, I blew some speakers in my truck um, as a teenager playing that song, right? And part of the reason why I know how to play the guitar is because of that song. <laughs> oh, there's a line in there. Listen to it. There's a line. See, bought a beat up six string. That's what I feel like I did. Uh, in a secondhand store, didn't know how to play it, but he knew for sure that one guitar felt good in his hands. Didn't take long to understand, just one guitar slung way down low. That's what, if you're cool, you got to play it like that. Was a one-way ticket, only one way to go, right? I, that's, that's the best line in the whole thing. It's just a story of uh, somebody hearing a great guitar Right, and then saying, "I'm gonna, I, I, I want to learn how to play guitar. I got to do that," and being attracted to that. You know, <laughs> I, you can think it's a stretch all you want, but if people, uh, if people don't want what we have, all right, then you're doing it wrong, right? Being a Christ follower is radical. We've been talking about this. Being a Christ follower is truly radical. And I'm, I'm here to make sure that we're, we're, we're a little more careful in setting it straight because um, it is radical. Not everyone's going to want what you have, but the way God has brilliantly designed our mission and our mandate, people should want, if you're living it correctly, they should want it, right? They should want what you have. And um, if you noticed, in, in the life of Christ, there were tons of people that were attracted to Jesus, and there were people who were really turned off. You know, Paul says to the Corinthian church at one point, he says, look, we're not peddling. We're not, we're not like everybody. Just We're not selling salvation. That's not what we're doing, right? In that, in that same little um, uh, 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 series of things that he's teaching the church, you know, he says... God is pleased with this aroma. If you are a Christ follower, he's pleased. He can smell Jesus on you, and that pleases him. We are a fragrant aroma to God. And, he, and you know, he'll, he, he says that this fragrant aroma, right, some smell life to life, and some smell death on you because they smell Jesus and they smell a choice. There's heaven and hell. And, and you're attracted to Jesus or you're really turned off. If you're living the way God has asked you to live, if he's bought you with the blood of Christ, people are going to smell Jesus on you, right? And they're going to want what you have. Oh, we're going to talk about this more and more because following Jesus is radical. Being a Christ follower is radical. And so Jesus' teachings are radical. And he knows it is. Um, a week ago, <clears throat> we uh, got to hear from Jay Warner Wallace, and he gave us a, a really great truth talk, right? 
The truth of Christ is, um, I think, really attractive. But you see, we're not responsible for the results. We're responsible for explaining Jesus. And what I want to do today is just remind us then, two weeks ago, we opened up Matthew chapter 6. You want to turn to Matthew chapter 6. We opened up this really great passage where I think Jesus um, also explains some things. Let me just remind you, because the text that we're going to read today out of Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through verses 34, we read that through before, and we drew the truth out of the text. The text today calls us to a radical freedom of, or freedom from, insecurity. We're, we're all going to have some insecurity in our life. In fact, you can tell by the way people react and the way you react. You can find the insecurity in, if, if, if you want to. But so the text today calls us to a radical freedom from that, a radical liberation from fear and worry. And we all have some worries and fears. But what Jesus is calling us to is a passion about who he is, a passion to be showcased or to, to showcase Jesus in our lives, in particular through this issue of being generous or giving. So I hope that um, it will be your experience, experience if you never give a dime to Vail Christian Church. I hope it will be your experience to find this freedom from insecurity and anxiety regarding giving. But what is far more important is that Giving to this ministry or any ministry is that you're, you give from that kind of heart. That's what Jesus wants to get to is your heart, especially to the poor and those that really need what we have. So I'm praying that God would give you the grace to be generous from your income. There's no doubt. I'm not trying to hide that. <laughs> I told you this last time I spoke um, before J. Warner Wallace came that I was in really good company, really good company, right? Because Jesus spends so much of his ministry and so much of his words are focused on this issue. If you've tasted life in Jesus, who gave everything for you, I'm praying that God would give you the grace to be generous from your income. That's it. My drive last time, just like today, this week, is... To motivate you to seek the kingdom of God first, though. Seek God's kingdom first from a heart that is not shriveled up with worry, but's free to give however God leads you to give. So can we review just really quickly the, the sort of the big picture here of what Jesus was trying to do? The very first thing he was trying to um, get us to understand is he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right? So in the large overarching command, that's it right there. Be passionate about experience the saving, purifying, empowering, love-producing reign of God in your life and over all the world, by the way. Thy kingdom come in my life and over the nations. So there's no positive correlation we found out already between having lots of things, all kinds of stuff, and being very happy. Nothing. They, they, they don't work together. The more you have does not make you happier. We know this, but we still want to play the lottery, right? I, I can't really stand it. Have you ever dreamed about it? I said this, right? 
Have you ever dreamed about winning the lottery? Even though there's something in a Christ follower's life that says, no, that's bad. You shouldn't do that. It's gambling. You still want to go, man, if I bought the ticket and I won, you still imagine all the things that you would do, right? And you justify it by going, like I do, like, oh, can you imagine the ministry I would do? And the churches I would build? And the missionaries I would support? You know, but it would give way to, and the really nice truck I would buy. Because <laughs> I got to, you know, I got to manage all this stuff. And the, and, the, and the boots. That's what Linda, Linda would buy more boots. My wife has more boots. They're cute boots. Don't rabbit trail, Ben. Then what's he say after the seek first? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. He says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. He said, this is a specific instance of what seeking God's kingdom involves. Seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness involves not trying to be rich here on earth, but trying to be rich in heaven. That is, rich in God. Seeking the kingdom means treasuring God, freeing yourself from all the drag of earth. All the things in earth that drag you down. Right? And, and they're all there. And then, and then he says, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. It's the condition of the heart by which we break free from our addiction to earth treasure and give ourselves with passion to heaven treasure. Heaven treasure, right? Well, those are the three. Well, see, look, God frees us from anxiety. And in this freedom, we don't have to crave treasure on earth anymore. And so those are the three imperatives, the three commands that he laid out for us, right, in the text. We drew those three commands out of the text. This is what Jesus wants us to be like, free from worry, seeking the kingdom, right, and laying up treasures in heaven and not on earth. That's the fruit of trusting Jesus. That's the fruit. That's the payoff. That's what is produced, Right? When you trust Jesus as Lord and Savior and treasure, the most valuable thing in your life. This is actually normal life in Christ. This is normal life in Christ, but it, it feels radical to us, but this is actually what it truly means to be a follower of Jesus. We just don't teach this enough and focus on it probably enough. Radical freedom from earthly things and earthly security with satisfied pursuit of God and his righteousness as our treasure. But still, somehow, even within the church and Christ followers, we're so unsatisfied and we're so restless and we spin all the time worrying. So today we're going to look at the reasons Jesus gives us not to worry or to be anxious. And he gives us at least eight. And their reasons and their promises. Three times in verse 25 through 34, Jesus says, don't be anxious. Verse 25, don't be anxious about your life. What you'll eat, what you'll drink, or about your body, what you're going to put on. Verse 31, don't be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, what shall we wear. Verse 34, don't be anxious. Now, turn in chapter 6 and let's read it. And maybe can make, you can underline some things, right? Starting in verse 25, Matthew chapter 6. Therefore. Now, okay, I want to stop just a minute. We don't got to worry about the word therefore now because I already just reviewed why he writes all this. 
Normally, when that is there, the therefore, then you got to go back and go, okay. So it's like saying, in light of what we've, I've just said, in light of what I've just told you or taught you, and now you understand, in light of that, okay, I tell you, do not worry about your life and what you'll eat or drink or about your body and what you'll wear. Isn't there more to life than food and more to the body than clothing? Look, the birds in the sky. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you more valuable than they are? And which of you, by worrying, can add even one hour to this, uh, to his life? It's sort of an aggravating phrase, isn't it? Why do you worry about clothing? Think about how the flowers in the field grow. They don't work or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his glory was clothed like one of these. And if this is how God clothes the, clothes the wild grass, which is here today and tomorrow is tossed into the fire to heat up the oven, won't he clothe you even more, you people of little faith? <laughs> I love how the author captures a little sarcasm there just a little bit, right? Like, come on, you guys. So then, verse 31, don't worry, saying, what will you eat or what will you drink or what will you wear? For the unconverted pursue these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But above all, pursue his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So then, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Today has enough trouble of its own, and that is the truth. <laughs> well, God prospers us not to raise our standard of, you know, how we function and live in this world, but he prospers us for reasons, right? Clearly, clearly, in this whole thing, it's as plain as it gets. Jesus wants his disciples to be free from enslaving worry and anxiety. If there's anything that can cripple me the easiest is worry and anxiety. And it's true of you as well. That's why Jesus gives us eight reasons or promises to help us fight this fight of faith. He lays them out on purpose. He knows this is a battle. He knows. It's a battle for all of us. It just sort of manifests itself a little differently. He knows you're going to wake up from time to time with irrational worry. That's why there's eight. It covers almost all of life. He knows that there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. You know, we so famously love to quote that. Like, oh, living in the last days and the wars and, you know, that kind of stuff worries us a little bit too. That's right out of Matthew 24. He knows he's sending us out like lambs in the midst of wolves. He knows that. Luke 10, 3, he knows that the time will come when those who kill you will think that they're serving God, John 16, 2. And in spite of all that, or in the middle of all of that, Christ wants his people to have peace, not anxiety. So much peace that we're free to keep giving, giving to the cause of Christ in the middle of great catastrophe, disaster, setback, crisis, and stress. Have you experienced all, all of those things in the last like eight months? Yeah. 
This is why he gives us peace, by the way, peace that is surpasses, right, normal understanding. So let's look at Jesus' reasons not to worry, and their reasons and promises all at the same time. Number one, you ready? Life is more than food. The body is more than clothing. Sounds like something you would tell your teenager. Right? But they get it from us. Verse 25. I, I went past the word therefore and you already know why. We're going straight to the reason found in the last part of verse 8. Verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. And then here comes the reason. You ready? Isn't there more to life than food and more to the body than clothing? It depends on the day for me sometimes, right? I can absolutely buy a half gallon of ice cream and just eat it in one setting. Don't tell me you can't do that. Yeah. Okay, so um, maybe you just recently did that. I mean, I use the illustration because I just recently did it. This felt so good. And you know how I justified it? I hadn't really eaten anything else that day. I'm like, this is, this is fine. It's fine. And it was that healthy Briars stuff, you know, like no added sugar as if there's no sugar in it. Well, this didn't add any. I already had tons in there. Right. I don't want to rabbit trail too much, but I really, really, really love ice cream. And it feels like if I couldn't eat ice cream, life would be over. I mean, sometimes in my head, I'm just, I feel like that. Like, I deserve this. All right, now, now watch. Why? So since life cannot be sustained without food and the body will freeze or actually will be shamed into oblivion without clothes, Jesus must mean life and body, literally soul and body, are more than the physical life that is sustained by food and covered by clothing. In other words, right? Don't worry about your soul and your body because those who might take your food and your clothing and even cause your death cannot take your real life or rob you of your resurrection body. And that's going to be great. Resurrection body. It's going to look so much better than this one. The bottom line defense against worry is in Christ, you are immortal. That's what he's saying right here. You can't miss it. And to die is gain. That's why Jesus says in Luke 12, 4, don't be afraid of those who kill the body and after that have nothing more that they can do. In other words, there is something far worse than death and it can never happen to you in Christ. So don't worry. We worry about the dumbest things sometimes. Number two, you're more valuable than the, word, uh, than the birds that God feeds. Now, I like this. There's a lot of birds in the world. In particular, on Saturday, in the late afternoon, um, Lynn and I were sitting on a patio, and I have this really great lemon tree that I have fostered for a long time, and it's beautiful, and there's a lot of lemons on it. Somebody's going to get to enjoy those this year, all my hard work. But there is a flock of these quail, or flock, it's a called a covey, a covey of quail that that's their home at night, and they fly in there about 5.30 in the evening. 
And they love that lemon tree because it's got all these pokey little thorns. They get in there and then nothing else will get in there and they feel safe and secure. So like 15 or 20 of them are in there. And when they get in there, it's crazy noisy. Like it'll startle you. It's like, what is happening? The tree's alive. It's shaking and they're squawking and just making, carrying on all kinds of stuff. And if you don't know uh, what it is, it's, it feels weird. Like what is happening? There's tons of them in there. It sounds like there's 100 in there. There's only about 15. If you walk by the tree shutters, you know, because, you know, they're, they're inside there. You can't see them. It's dense. Now, now, listen, there's tons of birds in this world. Tons of birds. So the argument not to be anxious has two massive premises leading to the conclusion. Think about this. Think about all the birds you've observed in your life. Premise one is God is so completely in control of the natural universe that it can be said that he feeds the birds in the air. He feeds them. Now, every berry eaten or insect, right, or worm pulled out of the ground is provided by God. He does that for birds. They don't got to worry about any of that. It's crazy. Premise number two, you are more valuable to God than the birds. God values more and is more committed to his people who glorify him with their minds and wills than he is to animals who have no ability consciously to glorify God. Peter says what? Peter says, 1 Peter 5, 7, he says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Vastly more than the birds who he feeds. So don't worry. There's a lot of birds. He takes care of all of them. Feeds them all. And they all eat a little bit of different stuff. I I think it's massive, actually. Here's number three. Worry achieves nothing. I know, we don't like to hear that. Verse 27. And which of you, by worrying, can add even one hour to his life? (laughs) So it, it, it's simple, practical argument. Worry doesn't do any good. It accomplishes nothing. It doesn't help. Preach this to yourself. It's hard. You got to preach it to yourself because when somebody else says it to you, you always get aggravated, just like me. So preach it to yourself. I am achieving nothing helpful by this worry because we're not. It only makes a hard situation harder. I will listen to Jesus. I will say no to this useless emotion. I refuse to be mastered by a useless emotion, worry, and anxiety. I'm preaching to the choir. That's why I got to preach this to myself. Because you're just like me. You don't like anybody saying it. Right? You just don't. I, I, have I told you with transparency before, if you really want to make me mad, in the midst of something I'm worrying about, just say this. Don't sweat the small stuff, Ben. You're going to get punched. You know, it's easy to say to somebody, why? Because your small stuff is not my small stuff. So my small stuff, you're like, hey, you shouldn't worry about that. And I'm like, well, this is my small stuff. And this is what I'm concerned about. And you're belittling what I'm concerned about. So, you know, I don't want to hear that. Don't say that. Why do I get so aggravated about that? Because just nailed it. Right? Nobody likes to hear that. 
That's pretty much what Jesus is saying here. Worry achieves nothing. Stop it. You got to preach it to yourself, though, because anybody else saying it to you, right? Remember that when you're saying that to somebody else. Number four, the grass that God clothes lasts for a day, but you are eternal. I think this is more profound than we want to let on. Verse 28 through 30, what do you worry about your clothing? <laughs> think about how much you worry about your clothing. Now, some of you need to worry about it a little more. <laughs> think about the, how the flowers of the field grow. They do not work or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his glory was clothed like one of these. You know, he had just about everything he needed, all the wealth in the world and all the fine whatever, right? And he said, and if this is how God clothes the wild grass, which is here today and tomorrow, is tossing the fire to heat up the oven, won't he clothe you even more, you people of little faith? So this is almost the same argument from the birds of the air, almost. But not quite. See, the point there was that you're more valuable than the birds that God feeds. The point here is that you are eternal. The grass and the flowers last for a day. God clothes them more beautifully than Solomon. Again, the most amazing truth for us is God's sovereign rule over the world of nature extends to the seemingly insignificant flowers and grass. You know, grass is pretty precious in Tucson. These are not just laws, natural laws that God puts in motion and then he set loose to do good or bad things with no control over them. These are God's doing. God puts all this in place. And we didn't get to experience it very well this last year because it just didn't even rain Normally, the desert comes alive, and you're just going, you know, have you ever experienced that where the Tucson desert just comes alive after, you know, in the spring because of the rain? You're like, my goodness, I didn't even realize how unbelievable it is around here. You know, and sometimes it just takes a sunset for you to go, wow. Think about these grass and the flowers and all these things. These are God's doing, and the inference for our soul is this. If God is so intimately and lavishly involved with the grass, the flowers, which are here today and gone tomorrow, right? Then how can he not care for his children who are eternal? I mean, this grass stuff, that's nothing for God. So trust him, trust him. You have little faith. The issue is trust. Worry is a trust issue, verse 30. Trust your father. Whatever happens, he'll take care of you. Trust your father. He'll take care of you. All right, number five, worry is non-spiritual. I love this one. It's non-spiritual. Now, why do we got to hear this? Verse 31 and 32, right? So then, don't worry saying, what we eat? What are we going to drink? What do we wear? The unconverted pursue these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So this is really, uh, you know, an in-your-face, look, you're supposed to be different here. The unconverted, of course, we're, we're, we're set apart differently. Here's the argument. If you worry, you're like the world. You're like the earth. This is what people do who don't know God. Worry is earthly. 
Be careful that you don't become cynical at this point, though. Don't become cynical. Pastor Ben, you're naive. You know, these are just words. You don't live in the real world. You know, you're the pastor. Don't you sit around here every day, you know, in the conference room with the staff, and you guys fold your hands and pray a lot, right? Well, we, we, yeah, we pray a lot, but, I mean, come on. We're just like anybody else. We got kids and children and stuff and things that are on our mind. Just like you. So let me say it like this. If you're anxious, you're like the world. If you're anxious, you're like the world. These are not my words, by the way, right? Remember that. (laughs) These are the words of Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus, the Son of God. He's saying these things. These are his prescriptions, not mine. His solutions, not mine. He is not naive. He knows the savage animal of worry better than you do. And he knows best how to fight it, and it is a fight. It is a battle. That is why he is multiplying weapons for you. And there are eight of them right here in the arsenal that he's expecting you to uh, kind of collect. Sometimes one's going to work, and sometimes another is going to work. Don't blow these things off. Put them in your armory. The very one you, 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 know, you blow off or you discount, someday it, it, it might save your life. Don't worry about things. The unconverted do that. Some of your translations might say the Gentiles. That's all he's meaning there. So verse 6, or excuse me, number 6. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. You know, do you believe that? The sovereign creator of the earth. He knows what you need. Verse 32. The second half of verse 32 says, And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He knows what you need. He knows exactly what you need. And there are key words here. The argument is, it goes like this. Don't worry because you have Father. Don't worry. I feel like that this happens to me quite a bit where, you know, people in my household are like, Dad's going to take care of that. It's just automatic. You don't got to worry about that. Are you kidding? Dad's not going to forget that. He knows exactly what we need here. There's no question about that. Father means he loves you and you are his and you're on his heart as a child. Heavenly means he is sovereign over all the earth and nothing can stop him from doing good to you. He knows that you need this stuff. It means, it, when, you know in that phrase, he knows that you need them. That, what that means is that he is never at a loss to know what is good for you. And he has all the wisdom it takes to meet your need. Gosh, I love that. So the rest, uh, so rest in this. You can rest. He's got it. Your heavenly father knows what you need better than anybody, by the way. He knows exactly what you need. Number seven, God will give you everything needed to do his will and his righteousness. He'll give you exactly what you need to do, what he wants you and asks you to do, and all the good things he asks you to do. Verse 33, but above all, pursue his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, so, yes, he promises that some of us are going to be imprisoned. You can't leave those things out. 
And some of us are going to be beaten, and some of us are going to be killed. God, God gets to decide all that. He doesn't say that none of that's going to happen. Paul says in Romans chapter 8 that famine and nakedness are going to come for some people. It's like bad stuff's going to happen to some of us. But he says, that's not going to separate us from the love of Christ. In all these things, we're going to be more than conquerors through him who loved us. We'll have all the clothing and the food and the drink that we need to do the will of God, including when his will is for us to die. He sets that all up, right? So there's no guarantee for physical comfort in the world, no guarantee uh, life on earth, just easy life on earth, right? Or even just life. But you will have all you need to endure to the end and be saved. Number eight, here's the last one. The great, this is a great promise. God does not weigh down any day with trouble. He doesn't just like heap it all in one day. Have you ever felt like this is just a terrible day? It's like unfair. There's more on this day than should be on this day. It can start when you get up in the morning and you feel like this is a bad hair day. It just will not go the way I want it to go. It's like I need to start over, right? But verse 34 says, then don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Today has enough trouble of its own. Now, this is aggravating as well in some ways, right? Each day has its appointed amount of stuff is what he's saying. Each day has its appointed amount of things. So don't reach into tomorrow and bring its troubles into today. The, the comforting point is actually unsaid, but it's really obvious. You get it out of, we can get it right out of Lamentations, verse 22 and 23. It's probably way more familiar verse than you might think, right? The Lord's loyal kindness never ceases. His compassions never end. They are fresh every morning. Your faithfulness is abundant. Or if you had a King James Bible, it would say, Great is thy faithfulness. Each day has his own appointed troubles. They're appointed, and there are new compassions also appointed for us every day so that you can bear the troubles of the day. So he's saying, trust him. They'll be there for you, those compassions, to deal with whatever the day brings. Trust him. Stop trying to heap it all, you know, from the future. Now, what does this have to do with me? So I, I, I really love this because remember, Jesus wants us to be free from anxiety. That's his deep desire and, and worry. So clearly, number one, Jesus wants his disciples to be free from enslaving worry and anxiety. Clearly, clearly that's what he wants. Okay, number two, if you'll receive him as Savior, Lord, and treasure of your life, then the implications are just right in your face. You're going to have these eight reasons or these promises. You own them. They're yours. They're for you. They're for me. That's what it has to do with me. Number three, Jesus' eight reasons or promises not to worry are a gift. They're a gift. They're free. To the Christ follower, to free you from worry and anxiety, and to make you a generous giver. 
Let's not lose sight of that. Why do you get these gifts? Why are, is he trying to help you become free so that you become generous in giving? Because that's where it comes down to it, right? That's where we hold on. That's where we're careful. I can only give up to a certain point because I got I to worry about tomorrow. And I got I to gotta worry about these things. I got to prepare for the future in case of an emergency, in case of, you know, all these kinds of things, right? That's, that's, that dominates our thinking. So number four then, receive these gifts, these reasons, these promises. Believe them. Make them the tools you use to fight the good fight of faith every day. Because it's a battle. It's a war. Use them. Number five, we're walking into difficult days ahead. Do you believe that? Seems like it's easier, a little bit easier to believe lately that we're going to continue to walk into difficult days, dangerous days, maybe even grave days. I don't know. One group of people more than all others should be free from worry and anxiety. Who are they? The people of Christ. That's the church. That's Christ followers. That's Christ followers, right? We should be free from anxiety. People should want what we have because of that confidence and security and, and the ability to, un, to, to not be insecure, right? To be liberated and bold and get after it. This is the stuff that can weigh you down, though, that keep you from being the kind of person that, that, that people want what you have. Want what you have, right? I'm praying that you're all a jukebox hero. You know, when, when Kevin really gets on it, it just makes me want to play the guitar. It doesn't it? I just want to go, man. Yeah. Or Ian. Ian's really good on the guitar. It just makes me want to play. Michael plays the bass. He can play both of these things really well, right? I wasn't paying attention to this drummer today, but... <laughs> Drums, you know, teenagers really want to play the drums. I did. Some of you are just rhythmless and you should do something else. <laughs> oh. People should want what we have, shouldn't they? But it's, it's radical life. Thank you, Lord, for the moments that we have like this to be motivated, where we can draw the truth out of the text and just, just say, what does this have to do with me? I know what I got to do. I know I'm going to go across that bridge, Lord, and I'm going to live it. I'm going to live it in a way that people want what we have, this radical life in Christ. I know it's not going to be free from pain and difficulty, but it can certainly be free. We can be free from anxiety that's enslaving, worry that's enslaving God. Liberate us. Help us to claim these eight promises. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great day, you guys. Thank you for listening to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. Join us next week as we continue in the book of Matthew. If you have any questions, would like more information about our church, or would like to see the video cast of this message, please visit our website at www.vailchristian.com.